our most holy, righteous, and heavenly Father. We're thankful for you being the, the giver of all good things, the sustainer, the redeemer, the creator. I pray, Father, that you will continue to bless these studies we're having as we make our way through the book of Acts and learn about your great servant, the Apostle Paul. Father, let us really appreciate the significance that he has to the gospel. Let us, Father, learn from both his successes and his failures. And help us, Father, have a mentality like him, a mentality that is devoted to you and to serving you and becoming more and more like Jesus. Bless this study, Father. Bless your people. Bless those, Father, who are in need of any strength and encouragement from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we begin this Bible class video, I want to remind you that there are questions, outlines with questions on them for you to pull up, to print out, and fill out as, as we go through our study. They can help you as we go through the material to follow along and hopefully retain even better uh, the information that we're going through because in this video, we're going to go through a lot of information in a relatively short amount of time. So the outlines will help you uh, as we try to go through this material and as you try to follow along with me. In our last video, as we've been studying about the Apostle Paul and his preaching, we learned about Paul's early preaching efforts. We learned about the work he did in the cause of God after he initially obeyed the gospel. In Acts chapter 9, we learned that after the Apostle Paul was baptized for the remission of his sins, he then immediately, the scripture says, began proclaiming Jesus Christ in the city of Damascus. He also spent some time in Arabia. He spent about three years in Arabia learning from the Lord, and then eventually he went to Jerusalem and he joined himself with the disciples there. After being run out of Jerusalem because his preaching upset some of the Hellenistic Jews there, eventually he made his way back to his hometown of, of Tarsus. If you remember, that was where we left off in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 30. In Acts 9 and verse 30, we read about Saul of Tarsus leaving Jerusalem, making his way to Caesarea, and then eventually making his way back to Tarsus. Now we don't hear any more from Saul of Tarsus until we get to Acts the 11th chapter. After Acts chapter 9 and verse 30, Saul of Tarsus, or the Apostle Paul as we know him more commonly today, he's not mentioned again until Acts chapter 11 and verse number 25. After telling us about the early stages of Paul's ministry, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 32, and going all the way through Acts chapter 10 until you get to Acts chapter... Uh, 11 and about verse 19, the Holy Spirit really focuses his attention on the ministry of the Apostle Peter. Beginning with Acts chapter 9 and verse number 32, the Holy Spirit will focus on the Lord using Peter 
to take the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time. In fact, in Acts chapter 11, if you want to turn there in your Bible, in Acts chapter 11, we can actually read about the, the first predominantly Gentile congregation being established. And so let's consider some key verses here. Let's look at Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19, the Bible says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen. Now this verse here is alluding back to Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. If you remember in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4, after Stephen was, was murdered by the Jewish Sanhedrin council, Saul of Tarsus began a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. This persecution was so great, it was so severe, that it forced the Christians in Jerusalem to scatter. They were forced to leave Jerusalem and scatter throughout Judea and even Samaria. Here in Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19, Luke is telling us more about those Christians who were forced to scatter and leave Jerusalem. He says that those Christians made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. And so notice how here the Jewish Christians who were forced out of Jerusalem, they are preaching the gospel, they're spreading the word of God, but they're only spreading the word of God to Jews. They're only speaking the word of God to, to Jewish people. Here we see that even... In the time of the early church, there was some resistance when it came to taking the gospel to Gentiles. Even the early Christians are having a problem doing that. And so when you go on to Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 21, it says, But there were some of them, some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch. They came to Antioch, and they began speaking to Greeks also, the idea of Greeks there is Gentiles, Gentiles. Now the gospel is going to Gentiles. They're preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So now notice how you have the gospel really being spread to Gentiles. Beyond just one household, the household of Cornelius in Acts 10, now you have the scattered Christians, the Christians who were forced to to leave Jerusalem. Now, they're taking the gospel to Gentiles. Notice how these are Christians that are not the apostles. The apostles are still in Jerusalem. These are Christians who were forced to scatter because of persecution. And then it says, Acts 11, verses 22 through 23, the news about them, the news about these Gentile converts reach the ears of the church at Jerusalem. Notice how the church, according to the Bible, is not a material building. It's not a religious meeting place. Instead, it is a body of people. It is a body of saved people. It is the Lord's people. Notice how the church has ears. The church is made up of people. And they're hearing about the Gentiles, hearing the gospel. They're hearing about Gentiles responding to the gospel, and they send Barnabas. Remember Barnabas. They sent him off to Antioch. Then he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, and he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Notice how Barnabas is celebrating the fact 
the Gentiles are being brought into the Lord's kingdom. In Acts chapter 11, verse number 24, in describing Barnabas, it says he was a good man. There are not too many people in the Bible that the Holy Spirit specifically calls a good person. Notice how Barnabas is called by the Holy Spirit a good man. And he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith, and considerable numbers, that is, considerable numbers of Gentiles, people who are not Jews, they are being brought to the Lord. In verse number 25, it says, And he, Barnabas, left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were first called Christians in a congregation that was consisting of both Jews and Gentiles. How appropriate that they're first called Christians in what we will refer to as today a mixed congregation. A congregation that contains people from all physical races. Now there are a few things that I want to kind of just really highlight from these verses we just read and and try to really help us understand what's going on at this time in the church first going back to verse number 25 of this chapter notice how as we pick up with our studies about Saul of Tarsus the man who would become the apostle Paul the scripture says that after Saul went back to Tarsus eventually Barnabas came looking for him Barnabas left for Tarsus. After Barnabas spent some time helping the church in Antioch, after he spent some time encouraging these brethren who are now both Jews and Gentiles on the church, after doing that for a time, Barnabas made his way to Tarsus. He went to Tarsus to find Saul due to Saul's zeal and his teaching ability that Barnabas knew about. Saul was asked to come back to Antioch with him and help him strengthen the church there. Barnabas wanted Saul to help him encourage this predominantly Gentile congregation. And this effort, this work in Antioch, would tie perfectly with the special work that Jesus gave Saul. Remember, Saul would have a special ministry. He would have a special apostleship to the Gentiles. Jesus told him this. He told Ananias this in Acts 9 and verse number 15. And so Barnabas and Saul are working together in the church in Antioch, this church that is predominantly Gentile. Now, when you continue with the scriptures there, in verses 27, I'm sorry, through 28, the Bible says that some prophets from Jerusalem made their way to Antioch. And one of those prophets, his name was Agabus. And Agabus, by inspiration of the Lord, he prophesied about the coming of a famine throughout the world. The scripture says that this famine would occur during the reign of Claudius. Now, it is very important to really highlight this famine for at least two reasons. First, this famine shows us that the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and verse 7 came to pass. In Matthew 24 and verse 7, if you remember from our studies on Matthew 24, there Jesus foretold, he, he told or, or prophesied about how there would be earthquakes and famines in various places prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. 
the book of Acts was written several years before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so here Luke is showing us how, just like Jesus said, there would be famines throughout the world prior to 70 AD, prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. He makes mention of that here. There was a famine that affected the whole Roman world during the reign of Claudius. And then secondly, a second thing that is very interesting about this famine is it would provide a very unique opportunity for fellowship between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. You see, when you study the book of Acts very carefully, you see that prior to Acts chapter 11, there was some resistance when it came to the Jews taking the gospel to the Gentiles. They really had a tough time accepting the fact that Gentiles were on an equal level with them in the kingdom that belongs to Jesus Christ. And so in Acts 11, we find the Jews, Jewish Christians, taking the gospel to the Gentiles, providing for their spiritual needs, and then here, when we go through, get to the end of Acts 11, or at least the second half of Acts 11, we find the Gentile Christians in Antioch helping contribute to the physical needs of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. You see, this famine that would affect the whole world would especially impact the brethren in Jerusalem. And so the church in Antioch, this church that is predominantly Gentile sent money, sent relief to the church in Jerusalem. And so now in the kingdom of God, you have Gentiles and Jews enjoying spiritual fellowship. Now you have Gentiles sending money as benevolence to needy Jewish Christians. You wouldn't find it under the old law. Under the old law of Moses, Jews and Gentiles had nothing to do with one another. That law was just for the Jewish people, but the new covenant law of Jesus Christ is for both Jews and Gentiles. And now for the first time, you have fellowship being enjoyed by both the Jews and the Gentiles together in the kingdom of God. The Jews took the gospel to the Gentiles. They provided for their spiritual needs. And now Gentiles are being sympathetic to their needs in Jerusalem, and they're sending money to, to help with their with their physical needs. Jews and Gentiles are in fellowship together. In fact, this money that was sent to the church in Jerusalem from the church at Antioch was actually delivered by Barnabas and the Apostle Paul to the elders that were in Jerusalem. And so that is what we are in Acts chapter 11. We're picking up now, the Holy Spirit is really picking up the story now with the ministry of Paul. Now, let's jump ahead to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is a very significant chapter, very significant chapter in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, we see that after spending some time encouraging the predominantly Gentile church that was in Antioch, Scripture says... And history tells us that between 46 and 48 A.D., the Apostle Paul is going to go on his first, quote-unquote, missionary journey. His first missionary journey. Now, I know that language, missionary journey, isn't specifically mentioned in the Scriptures, but, but the concept is there. 
You see, the term missionary simply refers to one who is on a mission. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they were on a mission to do the Lord's work. They were on a mission to leave Antioch and go into new territory preaching the gospel. In verses 2 through 3 of Acts 13, the scripture says that Barnabas and Paul were set apart specifically for this work by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wanted them to do this work. Now, I'm going to go through some geography with you. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. I'm going to summarize where Paul and Barnabas travel on this first missionary journey. Towards the end of the class, I will then put a, a map up here so you can see where these places are in relation to each other, okay? When you go to Acts 13 and verse 4, the scripture says that from Antioch, so Antioch is the base of operations. Antioch is the starting point, the Antioch that is near Jerusalem. From Antioch, they go down to a place called Seleucia. From Seleucia, which is near the Mediterranean Sea, they set sail to a little island called Cyprus. Once they reach Cyprus, they start preaching the gospel in the synagogue. You're going to see that that is something Paul does in every city he preaches in. The very first thing he always does is he goes to where the lost are. He goes to where non-Christians are. He goes to the synagogue, the religious learning center for the Jews, the place where scripture was read, where prayers were being made, where the scriptures were being taught. When Paul and Barnabas made their way to Cyprus, they began preaching the gospel in a synagogue of Solomon's, and then they made their way to the Roman capital of Paphos. Paphos was on the other side of the island. Now, while in Paphos, while in Paphos, verse 7 of chapter 13 tells us that the apostle Paul was able to preach the gospel to the proconsul, whose name was Sergius Paulus. He preached to Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus wanted to hear the gospel from the Apostle Paul. But you see, unfortunately, Paul's preaching was opposed. His preaching was opposed by a man named Elymas or Bargesus. Bargesus was a false prophet and he was a sorcerer. He was a worker of Satan. He was there trying to contradict everything the Apostle Paul was preaching to Sergius Paulus. And so the scripture also tells us that Paul rebuked Elymas. He rebuked him for standing in the way of truth, and after rebuking him, he then miraculously blinded him. He brought judgment on Elymas of Archesus. And after witnessing this miracle, after witnessing this sorcerer be blinded miraculously by the hands of Paul. Sergius Paulus believed the gospel and he became a disciple. And so you now have what may be the most important politician on Cyprus becoming a Christian. Paul was able to bring Sergius Paulus to the Lord. Now after preaching the gospel in Cyprus, verse 13 and if you remember our classes on Jesus Walks, we talked a lot about geography, and Acts is one of those books 
that really focuses on geography, maybe more than any other book in the Bible. So we're seeing that a lot more, and I'm hoping the Jesus Walk studies will help you really notice the geography, pay close attention to that as we go through these studies. In verse 13, after preaching in Cyprus, the scripture says that Paul and Barnabas then traveled north. They went north, but John Mark, and John Mark is the same Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, He's also the Mark who is, is referred to as a cousin to Barnabas. Him and Barnabas were related. John Mark, who joined Paul and Barnabas on this trip, once they got done preaching on Cyprus, John Mark goes back home. He goes back home, and, and remember this, because this is going to be uh, a contentious moment later. This is going to be something that kind of drives a wedge between Paul and Barnabas. Paul does not like that John Mark abandons them at this point on the trip. But John Mark goes back home, and Paul and Barnabas continue traveling north. They sail from Paphos, and they arrived in Perga. Perga is modern Turkey. They eventually arrived in another Antioch, not the same Antioch that's near Jerusalem. This Antioch is called Pisidian Antioch. There were a lot of Antiochs in the Roman Empire during the time of the first century. So don't, dis, don't get this Antioch confused with the Antioch where they were first called Christians. This is Pisidian Antioch. This Antioch was the capital of the Roman province of Pisidia. It was about 100 miles from Perga. Paul and Barnabas would have crossed over the Taurus Mountains on their journey from Perga to Antioch. These mountains were known to be inhabited by dangerous robbers. And so this would have been a very dangerous journey that Paul and Barnabas are on at this time. Now, when Paul made his way to Pisidian Antioch, he follows his normal pattern for evangelism. Remember, the normal pattern for Paul's evangelism was he, whenever he arrived in the new city, he would always take the gospel to the Jews first. He would always go and find a Jewish synagogue first. He would go to the Jewish synagogue, and when given an opportunity, he would stand up and he would preach the gospel. He was not going to the synagogue to worship with the Jews. Instead, he was going to the synagogue to do evangelism. What better place to take the gospel than to the place where there are none Christians, where you know a bunch of people who are not Christians are going to be assembled together. Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul says that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. Paul is following that pattern throughout the book of Acts. In the synagogue of Pisidian Antioch, Paul stands up and he, and he preaches a lesson about the history of Israel. His sermon is actually very similar in many respects to the sermon of Stephen in Acts 9. It's a history lesson. And so I'm going to give you some highlights, the highlights of Paul's sermon in Acts chapter 13. This sermon right here is one of the most famous sermons found in Acts. It is up there with Peter's sermon in Acts 2, is up there with Stephen's sermon in Acts 7. This is one of the top three sermons found in Acts. 
Paul covers a lot of territory in this sermon. Luke only gives us a summary, but I can only imagine how long Paul must have taken to, to give all of this information. He begins by talking about how God chose the patriarchs. He chose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to be the patriarchs of the great nation of Israel. Paul reminds the Jews of that. He reminds them of the faith and the faithfulness of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He then talks about how, how God developed them, developed the Hebrews or the Jewish people into a great nation while they were in bondage in Egypt. He then talks about how God delivered them from Egyptian bondage and he brought them across the Red Sea and even though they were supposed to receive the promised land during that time, because of their disobedience, they had to wander in the wilderness. Paul mentions the 40 years of wilderness wandering, and then he talks about the time of Joshua. He talks about the time when they were able to finally inherit the land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua, and then he moves forward in their history. And he talks about how God always watched out for the people of Israel. He gave them judges to deliver them from their enemies. He gave them prophets to reveal to them the, the word of God. He also talks about how God gave them kings. Specifically, he mentions King Saul, and he mentions King David. He does a contrast between Saul and David. Saul was the king that the people of Israel wanted, but he was not a good king. And David was the king that God wanted, and he was a great king, a righteous king. He was a king or a man who was after God's own heart. In fact, that is why God chose David. God chose David to make a very important promise to. It was through the lineage of David that God promised a savior will come into the world and save all people from their sins. Paul then fast forwards even more in history, past the time of Saul and David, to talking about the time of John the Baptist and how John preached about repentance and he baptized people and he was able to personally testify and point people to the true Lamb of God who was Jesus Christ. Paul then talks about the work of Jesus Christ. He talks about the death of Jesus Christ by the hands of the Jews. The Jews rejected Jesus, even though they should have been the people most ready to receive him. They killed Jesus on the cross. The Lord was buried in a tomb, but he was raised up victorious over death on the third day. And through that process, through the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, Paul makes the point that forgiveness of sins is now made available. It is made available to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And then Paul concludes the, the sermon by giving a warning to the Jews for rejecting Jesus. He says, don't make the mistake of rejecting the Holy One who was sent through the lineage of David to redeem all people from their sins. That was Paul's sermon. In a nutshell, in Pisidian Antioch, that is a summary of his sermon. It's a history of Israel. It's a history of, of God's scheme of redemption. And after Paul preached that sermon, the people were amazed by all that information. In fact, they begged Paul to come back on the next Sabbath and, and tell them more about the gospel. And so Paul came back on the next Sabbath. When you pick up the text 
In verse number 44 of chapter 13, Paul shows up on the next Sabbath, and when he shows up the next week, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. What a great opportunity. There are a lot of people there to hear this, hear this message about God's scheme of redemption. And they're Jews and they're proselytes, they're Gentiles who've been converted to Judaism. But unfortunately, some Jews who were jealous, some Jews who opposed the gospel, they also showed up. And they became a big problem. They started contradicting many of the things that Paul was saying. They started persecuting Paul and Barnabas. For the first time in Paul's ministry, he's now being seriously persecuted. This is something that he will experience as he continues to preach the gospel until the day he dies. For the first time in his ministry, Paul is, is facing some serious opposition. The scripture says in verse 45, they contradicted these, these Jewish opponents. They contradicted the things spoken by Paul. They blasphemed. They told people, don't listen to what this man is saying. This certainly frustrated the Apostle Paul, and he told these Jews that if you don't want to hear the truth, if you don't want to hear the inspired word of God, if you want to reject Jesus, fine, we're going to turn our attention to the Gentiles. And so Paul and Barnabas will go preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and unlike most of the Jews, the Gentiles receive the message with gladness. Verse 48 says that when the Gentiles heard the word of God, they rejoiced, they glorified the Lord. They received the message and obeyed it. And so Paul is now going from Jew to Gentile. The Jews are not receiving the message like the Gentiles are. And so Paul focuses his attention on where people are receiving the gospel. The Gentiles are more eager to obey the truth over the Jews. In fact, when you look at verse number 50, it says the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city. And they instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they drove them out of the district. So notice how even though the Gentiles are eagerly receiving the word of God, these Jewish opponents, these Jewish opponents have forced Paul and Barnabas out of the city. They're persecuting them. But the scripture says that didn't stop Paul. Paul shook the dust off of, shook the dust off of his feet. And he went on to a place called Iconium. In Iconium, Paul continued with his normal method of evangelism. He preached the gospel first to the Jews in the synagogue, and then he went to the Gentiles. The scripture says that while a large number of people believed, disbelieving Jews succeeded in poisoning the minds of the Gentiles against the brethren. Verse 4 says that a great division occurred in the city because of Paul's preaching. Some people want to listen to Paul. Some people want to obey the things that, that he's saying. And other people are flat out rejecting it. There's a division in Iconium because of Paul's preaching. Paul and Barnabas were then forced to flee. They were forced to flee this city when opponents tried to stone them. And so they've gotten run out of Pisidian Antioch. And now they're getting run out of Iconium. Preaching the gospel in these new territories. Some people are receiving the message. Others are rejecting it. And those who reject it start persecuting them, forcing them to go on to another city. Paul and Barnabas then traveled to three other places. They went to Laconia, Lystra, Derby, and the surrounding region. Now Luke is going to spend some time talking about what happened to Paul in Lystra. 
When you go on to Acts chapter 14, you pick up the text in verse number 8. There you see that it was in Lystra where Paul performed a great miracle by the power of God. Paul is clearly an apostle by this time. He has miraculous spiritual gifts. He actually heals a lame man from birth, a man who had never walked his whole life. He's able to walk when the apostle Paul puts his hands on him. The apostle Paul heals this man. This man listened to Paul. This man watched Paul. And when Paul just told him, get up, get on your feet, Paul didn't even lay hands on him, it appears. He just spoke the words. And the man got up. In fact, not only did he start walking, but he started leaping. He's now able to do things he had never done before. Now, when the people of Lystra saw Paul do this, they thought he was one of the Greek gods. They thought that he and Barnabas were Zeus and Hermes. They thought they were Greek gods who had come to the earth and they tried to worship them. But Paul and Barnabas told them, don't worship us. We're just men. And then they started to preach the gospel to these people. They told these people who were who were idolaters. They told them about the sin of idolatry and the need to turn to the one true and living God. And so they used this miracle as an opportunity Preach the gospel, but unfortunately, troublemakers from Antioch and Iconium, they showed up, they followed them, and they started winning over the crowds. They actually persuaded the crowds to stone Paul and drag him out of the city. They thought they had killed him. They stoned him, drug him out of the city, left him there to die, but by the providence of God and the power of God, Paul some kind of way survived that stoning. He survived that stoning, and he then, being the remarkable man he was, he got up and went back into the city of Lystra. He went, he went back into the city where he was stoned. And then he went on to a place called Derby, and in Derby he was able to make many disciples. He then returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. He strengthened those churches that he helped establish, in those places, he even helped them appoint elders. In Acts 14 and verse number 23, for the first time really in the church, we find elders being appointed in several different local churches. Elders, bishops, shepherds, men who met certain qualifications given by the Holy Spirit, and they had the responsibility to watch out for the flock. They had the responsibility to protect the flock from false teachers when the apostle Paul was gone. So Paul helped strengthen these churches. And one of the key things he did for them was he helped them appoint elders. Local churches now have elders in them. By the time you get to about 46 or 47 A.D. After making their way back to Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, they gave a report, of, they gave a report to the church there of how the gospel had been believed by the Gentiles. And then the chapter concludes by saying that Paul and Barnabas spent a long time with the disciples in Antioch. And so they go on this great preaching journey. They have a lot of success. They experience a lot of persecution. And then they make their way back to Antioch near Jerusalem to give a report of their work to the church there. Now, let me pull a map up. That was a lot to take in, I know. The Bible gives us a lot of information about Paul's missionary journeys. And so let's go to the map, and let's just look at these places on the map, and that's going to be the study. 
The first circle you see there is the Antioch where Paul and Barnabas started from. They started from the Antioch that was just north of Jerusalem. They go from Antioch, they go down to Seleucia. They hop on a ship. They go to Cyprus, the island of Cyprus. They preach first in the synagogue at, at Salamis. They then go across the island to Paphos, the capital Paphos, and they're able to convert Sergius Paulos while at the same time bringing judgment on Bar-Jesus. They then hop on another ship and they make their way north to Perga. Now at this point, John Mark's not with them. John Mark has gone back to Jerusalem, but Paul and Barnabas go north to Perga. They then eventually make their way to another Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, and it's there where Paul preaches that great sermon in Acts 13. Paul is able to persuade many Gentiles to obey the gospel in Pisidian Antioch, but he's run out of the city by the rebellious Jews. Paul and Barnabas then make their way to Iconium. They preach the gospel there. Their message divides the city. The rebellious Jews, the troublemakers, they run him out of Iconium. He then makes his way to Lystra. And in Lystra, he preaches the gospel. This is the place where he's stoned. He's drugged out of the city, left to die, but by the power of God, he survives that. And then eventually he makes his way to Derby, And in Derby, he's able to make many disciples in that city. Now, after preaching in Derby, they then go back to Antioch. The red line there is the trip, was the beginning of the trip. The beginning of the missionary journey, the green line is the route back home. Okay? Outbound, return. Red is outbound, green is return. And so after preaching the gospel in Derby, they go back to Lystra, they go back to Iconium, they go back to Pisidian Antioch, they, they strengthen those churches, encourage those new converts, they appoint elders in those churches, they go back ac across the Mediterranean Sea, they don't go back through Cyprus, they go back across the Mediterranean Sea to Antioch and they spend some time with the brethren there. And so that's Paul's first preaching journey. That's a summary of it. Paul has preached the gospel in places that it had not been before. He's preaching the Jews. He's preaching the Gentiles. He's preaching in places that are outside of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, just like Jesus said he wanted to take place in Acts 1 and verse 8. And so we'll stop right there and we'll pick up our study in a few days at Acts 15. And we'll look at a controversy that took place in Acts 15. And we're going to start looking at Paul's second preaching journey and look at the success he had on that trip. Thank you for studying with me.